Today on CityCast Salt Lake. The Great Salt Lake is in a very bad way, and the consequences are dire. And if you live on the west side, you already know that because it's getting the brunt of the toxic air. Chandler Rosenberg is the co-founder of Save Our Great Salt Lake, a coalition organizing for statewide action to preserve our city's namesake. It's Thursday, January 13th, 2022. I'm Ali Vallarta, and this is CityCast Salt Lake. Hey, Chandler, thanks so much for being here. Welcome to CityCast Salt Lake. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited about this project, so happy to be here for sure. Well, thanks so much. We appreciate it. Um, So we're chatting today because basically the Great Salt Lake is in a very bad way. What are the major challenges facing the lake right now? Yeah, uh, like you said, the Great Salt Lake is not in a good place right now. It's at its lowest levels in recorded history um, for a few reasons. So drought is certainly a big part of that, the climate crisis and warming temperatures. And because the lake is so shallow, losing even a few inches exposes uh, a large amount of the lake bed. Um, which poses issues with dust, um, things like that, which we can get into. Um, So that's a piece of it, but then a larger piece um, and kind of the piece we're more focused on where we can really affect change is diversions um, from the water that's supposed to be flowing into the lake. So we're diverting too much water that's meant to go to the lake um, for both cities and agriculture. The thing we need to do then is divert less water away from the lake. And is that like the number one solution or is that a solution? That might be the number one solution. So essentially, we need to use less water so that more of our water can go to the lake. Um, So what that would look like um, on a municipal level is increasing conservation measures. So I don't know if you guys know this, but uh, Utah has the highest municipal water rate in the country because we have the cheap. Whoa, I did not know that. (laughs) Crazy, right? Because we have the cheapest water in the country. So there's very little incentive to conserve. Um, But this idea that our water is cheap is actually a lie because we pay Uh, We pay for that cheap water. We subsidize it through paying extra property taxes to the water districts. We think we have this cheap water. We think we can use as much of it as we want. But then we're paying this extra chunk of taxes to the water districts. 80% of our water goes to agriculture. And agriculture is certainly an important industry in Utah. And so we can't just say like, okay, let's stop growing crops. Um, But I think it is important that we start to look at uh, what we are growing. In terms of urgency, if we don't save the Great Salt Lake, if we don't take immediate action, what are the ramifications, you know, this week, next week, 10 years down the line? How does this play out? The biggest thing that we've kind of been trying to get the word out about is the potential for a toxic dust bowl in the Salt Lake Valley. So like I said, as Uh, the lake... (laughs) Yeah, big, big That word. sounds apocalyptic. It's terrible, uh, which is kind of what activated us. Like we heard the news of the toxic dust bowl and we're like, no one's talking enough about this. Uh, we got to do something. Yeah. So essentially, like I mentioned, uh, as the lake dries up and exposes this dry lake bed, the lake has been collecting chemicals um, from agriculture, pesticides, arsenic from our soils. Utah's soils are naturally high in arsenic. Uh, mercury from some mining in Nevada and other industrial chemicals. So the lake's got a lot of unhealthy, poisonous stuff in it. Um, And as it dries up, it exposes this dried lake bed. The wind picks it up and blows it throughout the Salt Lake Valley, um, which threatens our already terrible air quality. Um, Yeah, I was going to say. Right. Yeah, it's... It's no good. So I think the dust, the dust is a major issue. Um, but there's also an amazing ecosystem. 
and they are all dependent on, you know, water being in the lake. And so it's really important that we that we prioritize that for that ecosystem as well. There are like 11 million migratory birds that stop at the Great Salt Lake as their only stop on their cross-continental migration um, from like Canada to Mexico. So it's really important. We're heading into a legislative session, a new legislative session. And the Utah legislature is not famous for taking action on climate and issues of conservation. But Speaker of the House Brad Wilson held a rally just last week around saving the Great Salt Lake. It seems like it might be something that they are planning to prioritize. Do you have hopes, dreams and fears for the legislature addressing this problem? Yeah, I mean, it certainly seems like the lake is something they want to prioritize. The summit is a good step for bringing attention to the issue. And there's certainly more attention on the Great Salt Lake than there ever has been, um, according to the people who've been working on it for decades. But we question whether they actually intend to take any sort of action or if they just kind of want to talk, talk, talk and make it seem like, you know, they care about the lake. Um, so we, you know, we're hopeful to be completely honest, there's not any legislation up this session that would do anything meaningful to save the lake. What kind of legislation would need to be passed and why would it be unpopular? Because I can't imagine anyone wants to live in a toxic dust bowl. The lake right now doesn't have a water right. So under Utah's water law, the water in the lake is seen as wasted. So there's really no incentive to get water to the lake or there's no legal mechanism right now um, that helps us get water to the lake. So what we need is a guaranteed minimum of water that we agree to keep in the lake and protect it. The problem is there's a very powerful water lobby. I don't know if y'all saw ProPublica and the Salt Lake Tribune released an amazing article a couple weeks back kind of outlining some of the corruption um, with the water lobby and uh, the way that they lobby against conservation bills in the state house. And so they kind of go through this history. But essentially what happens is uh, water conservation bills get introduced and then the water lobbyists get involved um, and basically gut the bills of the conservation measures and then they pass, you know, whatever else. So it sounds like you are not optimistic that this will be addressed in the le- upcoming legislative session. But you are your group, Save Our Great Salt Lake, your organization, which is I understand it and correct me if I'm wrong, is doesn't have any sort of like the hierarchy that maybe like a nonprofit organization does, right? Like it's just a grassroots collective of people. How does that How does that work? How do you plan an event like that? So that's something that we're really excited about. Save Our Great Salt Lake is a coalition. We're not a nonprofit. We are working with several nonprofits and other groups. Uh, we've got over 100 volunteers that are just lending their time and skills. We're working a lot with creatives especially. So this really is a people-led um, group. What is the plan for Saturday's event then? As I understand it, it was going to be in person at the Capitol. It's now going to be online, virtual. What can we expect? We're really excited about, we've got some speakers that would not be joining us in person that will now be joining us for the virtual event. So we've got some tribal leaders from the Ute Mountain Ute uh, tribe, as well as the Northwest Band of Shoshone that will be joining us. We've got Terry Tempest Williams, who is an Mm. amazing activist. Local legend. uh, Poet, local legend. Yeah, she'll be joining us, uh, which is going to be great. If I'm at home, I'm opening up an email to my legislator. I want them to take action on the Great Salt Lake. What does the email say? Prioritize the health of Utahns. This is a potential public health crisis and ecological disaster. Um, 
And so we just want legislators to understand that, you know, we all care about this. And I think it's easy to think like no one cares about the Great Salt Lake because it's not a huge recreation area for many. A lot of us don't have a relationship with the lake. Um, there's a lot of mis misconceptions. It's stinky. Um, but I think we need to make it clear that, no, it is an ecosystem that we want to prioritize and we see it as part of our future. It is a part of our future, whether we want it to be or not. Yeah. And our namesake. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate the work that you all are doing, and I hope the rally is a huge success on Saturday. Yeah, thank you so much. Likewise. Speaking of collective organizing, in today's newscast, we've got not one but two indications of its power. First, on Tuesday, I told you that the Salt Lake County Council was very unlikely to overturn our mask mandate. Well, that night, more than 60 people showed up to the council meeting, unmasked, to voice their opposition, and now the council is going to hold a vote on the mandate. Community organizers always say that if you want to affect local policymaking, the most influential thing you can do is just show up. And this feels like a very good example of that. Another update? We've been keeping you in the loop on the Park City Professional Ski Patrol Association's effort to secure a $17 an hour wage for its ski patrollers at Canyons and Park City Mountain. After the association's 50th negotiation with Vail Resorts, 98% of their patrollers voted to authorize a strike if needed. We called up Brandon Dew to get his take. He's the president of the Central Utah Federation of Labor, and we asked him what all this says about the association's power. Well, it says to me that the strength of the association is very strong. What it says to me about a corporation like Vell is that they don't understand the economy that they're in. I mean, the, the fact that they've got EMT uh, employees up there that are protecting the uh, safety of the patrons of that ski facility and they're making $13.50 an hour, that's insane. I don't know how any corporation or company looks at the uh, valuable employees that they have like that and says, these employees are taking care of the uh, patrons at our ski facility, and we're going to pay them less than the Burger King employee down the street. That's just insane. On whether or not a potential strike is a wake-up call in Utah? Yeah, I think the wake-up call has been going on for the last year. So I think this pandemic has really uh, brought attention to workers that they no longer have to put themselves out there like they have in the past. It's, there's multiple jobs that they can go to. They can leave today. They can find a job tomorrow. Uh, workers are looking for more, more flexibility and realizing that when the CEO is making 350 times more than them now, that they haven't been given a fair shake. That when they have to go work two and three jobs uh, away from their families, evenings, weekends, holidays, that it's no longer fair. Right. Everybody understands that um, the CEO deserves to make more money. Owners of companies deserve to make more money. I work with several companies uh, that are great companies and nobody um, beseeches a, a company owner from making more money. But when you're making 350 times more than the average employee under you, things are no longer fair. And finally, what his union's message is for the ski patrollers and all the folks following this closely. Stay strong. We're behind you. If you need us there to walk a picket line with you, we'll be there. I mean, the bottom line is that's what unions are about. It's broader than just the bargaining unit that you're in. When we all stand together, we can make things better for each other. 
And that's what needs to happen in this country. This isn't, you know, I think all too often, um, workers that aren't in unions don't understand what being in a union's about. It, you know, why do union members get health care? Why do they get pension plans? Why do they get vacation time? Why do they get uh, protection on the job? Well, these things weren't given, right? These things are, are fought for over generations. And that's what we're seeing in Park City right now is, is they're saying enough is enough. And it's time for us to stand with them and to, to make sure that they're given a fair shake. I mean, $13 and 50 cents an hour, they work all day to make less than half the cost of a ski pass. And there's a whole bunch of people up there skiing. The, the odds aren't fair up there. So it, it's time to make changes. That's it for us today on CityCast Salt Lake. Our lead producer is Nick Steffens. Our newsletter writer is Madeline McGill. And our host is me, Ali Vallarta. Music is by Mitochondria. I heard a rumor that you can leave reviews in Spotify now. If you listen to the show on Spotify, will you leave us a review? Thank you. We'll be back Monday morning with more news from around the city. Bye. I'm recording. I'm recording this time. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.